So you've uh, no doubt, well, maybe, perhaps, if you've been in the conservative Christian orbit for some time, every now and again you'll hear you know, the description of a Proverbs 31 woman, right? You've, have you heard that? You know, the Proverbs 31 woman is it's like Proverbs 31, like, starting like around verse I don't know, 6 or 7 or something like that, it starts talking about the virtuous woman and all these you know, amazing things that she does. Like, you know, she like runs a business and she gets up early and she stays up late and she buys, she's like a real estate agent. I don't know. She's doing all kinds of things. And it's, it's glorious and, and it's, it's wonderful. But I, I think that we actually talk, um, uh, we, we don't talk enough about Proverbs 31 men. Um, because Proverbs 31 actually begins with instructions for men. Little known part of Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is actually... Um, originates, it comes from a woman. The beginning of Proverbs 31 says that these are the Proverbs of King Lemuel's mother. We don't know who King Lemuel was, but his mom was a very wise woman. And, um, and she, um, she gave her son, who was apparently a king, um, some instructions. And... Um, and one of them in particular I wanna, I wanna zero in on. But Proverbs 31 begins this. It says, the words of King uh, Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. So King Lemuel apparently spoke them and for them to be written down. And, but it's what his mom taught him. And it begins the way that most moms talk to their sons. What, my son? And what, the son of my womb? And what, the son of my vows? That's King James, but it's, it's like the effect is something like, what in the world are you doing? Right? What have you done? Right, this, if you haven't said that to your son yet, I don't think you're trying. You're, you're, there's something wrong. Um, then verse 3. Verse 3 says, Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. And then it goes on in particular to warn uh, Lemuel about drunkenness. Do not give yourself to strong drink. Do not give yourself to drunkenness. Give strong drink to those who are ready to perish, to, to those who have heavy hearts. Do not give your strength to women, nor the ways, nor thy ways to that which destroys kings. That's Proverbs 31, 3. Lemuel's mother is particularly warning Lemuel against sexual immorality. But it's interesting that he, she describes it as giving his strength to women. Do not give your strength to women. I, I think this can be done in a number of different ways. I think the, the, the most obvious sort of direct assault on this would be something like the story of Samson and Delilah. And it's sort of like kind of literal. Samson was not only uh, strong like most men, he was extraordinarily strong. He was supernaturally strong. And through her seduction and plotting, Samson literally gave his strength to a woman in exchange for sex. And, uh, but this is what all sexual sin is. All sexual sin is an offer of fake respect in exchange for empty pleasure. Fake respect in exchange for empty pleasure. Men were made for respect. 
Men are made for respect. This is, this is why um, we're susceptible uh, to false glory. Uh, men uh, naturally, you know, uh, the, the, some of the first words that a boy says are, watch this. Sometimes they're last words, yeah, right? But, right? The, but some of the favorite words of boys, and even grown boys, is watch this. Look at this. I'm going to show you something, right? Come, come here. I'm going to show you something, right? And, you want, and, and why? Well, because you, well, I mean, something cool, something neat, something amazing. You made, you built, you bought, and you want people to admire it. And there's something good and glorious about that. A, you know, an invention, a car, a gun, uh, uh, some kind of ability. That's, that's good and glorious. Uh, God made us for respect. Uh, that's part of how we bear God's image. Um, but that's also what makes us susceptible um, to false glory. Again, if we're driven by the respect of men, the respect of others, then we can be led astray by what other people think is good and glorious and manly, rather than fundamentally God's honor, God's respect, God's uh, admiration. And so we can, we, can, we can exchange fake respect for empty pleasure. Real respect is shown in commitment, loyalty, obedience, encouragement, praise, service, that's real respect. But whores don't give a damn about you. They don't. They don't. They, they're, they're, they're offering you cheap respect. Right? You deserve this. Right? Come here, big boy. Right? What is that? It's an, it's, off, it's an offer of cheap respect. I'll give you 10 cent respect. Dollar store respect. They don't care about you. It's not, there's no commitment in that. They will not be there for you tomorrow. They will not serve you. They will not be loyal to you. They cannot praise you in any kind of meaningful way but a wife swears allegiance. A wife promises to obey and serve. A wife swears to honor and respect you in the Lord, which makes you a stronger man. This is from Proverbs 6. By means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. Proverbs 6.26. Reduced to a crust of bread. That's how you lose your strength. Or this in Proverbs seven twenty six: For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. The whore, the prostitute, the loose woman. Many strong men have been slain by her. She's cast them down. So what are you practicing? What are you practicing? 
Sexual sin is one of the great ways men give away their strength and become impotent destroyers. Become impotent destroyers. Instead of potent builders and makers and protectors and fighters. In many respects, I mentioned this in the previous talk about how effeminacy and softness is a breeding ground for homosexuality. I think there's another way in which, um, in our, in our, it's not an accident that the, in our sort of pornographically saturated world, it's not an accident that homosexuality is on the rise. It's, it's, not, it's not random. It's not accidental. It, there's, it's a slippery slope. There's no breaks on sexual sin. You, you, there really aren't. You, you can't say, I'm going to defy God's law and God's nature and just hook up with whoever I want, look at whatever I want, whenever I want, and then say, but I would never do X. Yeah, you know, tell that to the people who are in jail now for child porn. Tell that to the people who have fallen into homosexuality. Uh, What you're practicing, you're becoming. Okay, what you're practicing, you're becoming. Practice, you know, we say practice makes perfect, right? People also sometimes say practice makes permanent, right? You can practice badly, if you ever played a musical instrument or if you've done a sport or something like that and you, your, your technique is bad, your instructor will hate you, <laughs> right? You practice this all wrong and now you have to unlearn this bad habit, right? Practice makes perfect. What you practice, you become. And I think sexual sin always has a thread of homosexuality in it. All sexual sin has a thread of homosexuality in it. This is why. Because it's a man paying a woman in some way to act like a lustful man sexually. Right? You're, you're asking her to act like the way you, a lustful man, a man in a fit of lust, wants her to act. That's not how a real woman acts. That's not a real woman. She has a woman's body, okay, fine. But that's not how a real woman wants to be loved. That's how a man in a fit of lust wants a woman to act towards him. Which is a very masculine way of acting. It's a twisted masculine way of acting. You know, what, you know so much of pornography is a bunch of men getting women to act the way that they want them to act. It's like men, surround, you know, it's men setting up women for other men. Sexually. Whatever she says, whatever she looks like she's saying, no woman feels loved or protected by a man who uses her and has no commitment to provide or protect her. That's not a real woman. Pornography is not practicing to love a real woman, to sacrifice for a real woman. It's practicing to serve yourself and have your lusts satisfied on your terms right now. Which is terrible practice for a real woman. In 1 Kings, 
Solomon um, builds the temple in the beginning of 1 Kings. It's one of those sections of, of the Bible that is maybe sometimes a little bit hard to read because there's a lot of details about how he built the temple. It goes on for like 10 chapters, actually. Uh, a number of chapters, and it's describing like where he gets the building materials and who he got them from and the, the treaty that he worked out with so-and-so to get the cedar wood and then to get the, br- the bricks and the block and the gold. And it's just chapter after chapter of how he constructs it and what he makes and how big it was and how tall it was and how long it was and so many cubits and, you know, this was gold and that was bronze and this many hand widths and this kind of scrolling around the pillars. And you're just like, okay, come on, just, just dedicate it already right? It's a temple. Great. It's beautiful. But it's like, it's actually there for a reason, for a lot of reasons. But I think one of them is you got chapter after chapter and it took him years to build, right? Equivalent of millions and millions of dollars, man hours, man years, all this labor, all this work. And, and that's, that's, the ten, that's the first 10 chapters. And then in, and then in 1 Kings 11, it, it's, it describes how Solomon began taking hundreds of wives and concubines and how they turned Solomon's heart away from the Lord. And then and this, this one line, this one verse, that's sort of this, you could miss it if you blink. It says, and he built shrines for all of their gods. How many shrines is that? Hundreds or thousands of them, right? 700 wives, whatever, 600 wives, 700 concubines. And he built shrines for all of them. So you think about that. He labors for years and years to build the temple. Something that matters, something that serves God, pleases God, something that would last under God's blessing and be a great legacy and lead others to the true and living God. And you see sort of a glimpse of that in the the Queen of Sheba coming and her breath is taken away and she hasn't seen anything so magnificent in all her life. You have have people from all over the world coming to see this glorious house. And then he starts building shrines for all the gods of his wives. They turn his heart away and he begins building shrines for them in all the high places. Think about all that wasted time. Think about all that wasted energy. All the care and energy and money and detail that went into building the temple and now you have shrines, hundreds of shrines on these hills that are worthless. That are worse than worthless. He's building things that are gonna lead people astray, that are gonna destroy their lives and ultimately it's gonna destroy Israel and ultimately because of their idolatry, God's gonna destroy the temple. The thing that he gave his whole life for. What are you building? What are you building? Are you building something that's gonna last by God's grace? You're building a marriage, a family, a community, a business, a church that will last? It's hard work. You're getting up every morning doing something, giving yourself to something, using your strength for something, providing for someone. What are you building? Are you building something that will last? Are you building something that, will, that pleases God, that will be used by him for generations? 
Or are you building things that don't matter? Are you giving your strength away? Are you wasting your strength on fleeting pleasures, things that don't matter, things that destroy? So we began the first talk talking about how men are made to be strong and that masculine strength and courage is this fierce commitment to to virtue, obedience to God, doing the right thing even when it hurts, doing the right thing even when you suffer, doing the right thing all the way to death, doing the right thing like Joseph did even when it seems like it's not doing any good because you believe that Jesus raises the dead. Men were made to do hard things. That's what your strength is for. Doing hard things. If it wasn't hard, you wouldn't need to be strong. Your strength is your glory, and therefore you are made to do hard things. Men were made to bear heavy loads. You are made to carry heavy things. That's what you're for. That's what we're for. We're for doing hard things. You know this, when, when, when men work out physically, you get stronger. Right? And what you do is you increase the difficulty in order to get stronger. That's how it works. You make it heavier. You do more reps. You push yourself harder, and then you get Stronger. When men push themselves to do more, they generally get better at it. You are men. You are made strong. You're made to do more. That's what you're for. That's what you're for. It's trendy in our world, even in our Christian world, for const- to hear constant warnings about burnout and overdoing it. Right? Be careful about burnout. Be careful about overdoing it. Don't stress out. Don't, don't, don't get you know, too stressed out. You might burn out. I'd like to ask you, where in the Bible are we warned about that? Where in the Bible does it say, be careful about doing too much? Because you might burn out. It's not there. Now the closest thing, I'll give you this, the closest thing is we are commanded to take a day off every seven days. There is a Sabbath command. God rested. He made the world in six days. He rested on the seventh. God didn't have to do that. He's God. Right? That was for us. He gave that command to Israel. In the New Covenant, in the New Testament, Sunday's our day of rest because Jesus rose from the dead and finished his work after remaking the world on the first day. So Christians have rested on the first day since the early centuries of the church. It's a weekly Easter. That's the closest thing. Yeah, if you don't take Sabbath, you'll probably die earlier, sooner. You'll burn out. That's the closest thing. Otherwise, all the warnings in Scripture are about laziness. They're about slothfulness. They're about sluggards. Get off the couch. 
do more. Work harder. We were made for work. And, and, and think about this in terms of like, when I was in, uh, I think I was probably like nine or 10. I went to some summer camp and somebody taught me how to juggle. The way that you learn how to juggle is you actually start with one ball or bean bag and you just start throwing it back and forth and you learn this arc. And then you add a second one and you throw it and the person that taught me said, think about it like mountain peaks. So you throw one mountain and then you throw the other and you get them to cross. And you do that a few times. And then you add a third one. That's the hard part is the third one. But you basically just keep making mountain peaks. And then you add a fourth one and a fifth one. You don't learn how to juggle overnight. You start with one. You start with two. You start with three. And so the point here in my exhortation, work hard, do more, lift more, is you don't, you know, if, you're, if you want to run a marathon, I've never done such an insane thing in my life, but if you were that kind of insane, you wouldn't go out and just run 26 miles, I don't think. No, there's a program, right? You run like a mile, and then you run two miles, and then you run five miles, and then right, you build it up. You, you build up your endurance, right? If you, if you want to be a man and work hard, add to what you've got. Push it, okay? Now, here's the connection. I said earlier, what does this have to do with not giving your strength to women? If you are regularly falling into temptation and sexual sin, get another job. You're not working hard enough. Why do you have time for that? Why do you have any brain cells left for that? You're you're made for work. If you have energy left to go find sexual sin, you are giving your strength away. You're wasting your strength. That's strength that could be building something that will last. That's strength that could be used to provide for children and grandchildren and a community. If you're regularly, remember, David fell into sexual sin in the spring, it says, at the time when kings went to war. And David decided to take a holiday. Be very, very careful with breaks and holidays. Because men are made for work. You're made to labor. You're made to get up early, stay up late, and collapse into bed. Right? I know there are certain conditions where people really do have a medical condition and have a hard time sleeping at night, but you know what? For the most part, if you're working hard, you should just hit the pillow gone, right, nothing. That's how you, you know, that's, that's doing it right. We have a saying in my house when it's about that time and it's like everything's just sort of, you know, I'm sort of teetering around the house and everybody, and, and I say, I'm going to try again tomorrow. <laughs> that means it's all done. <laughs> there are no brain cells left, right? I'm going to try again tomorrow. Dad, are you going to try again tomorrow? My kids will start saying, are you going to try again? Yeah, I'm going to start again tomorrow. <laughs> I, 
I remember one of the times where I learned this lesson, maybe the clearest, was I, I wasn't a great student in school. I, I was a slacker. And, I, um, and then I, I went to college, and the first two years of college, I got my worst grades. I was a single, I was a bachelor, worst grades. I was, you know, I passed, but barely. And then I got married, and, there, and there's this, like, amazing, like, you know, grade curve going up. I got married. They started improving. Had our first son improving. And then we went to South, I moved to South Carolina and went to grad school a couple of years after college and, um, and had both of my daughters in South Carolina. And I was pastoring my first church, going to get a master's degree. But my second daughter was born premature. My wife had preeclampsia and ended up in the hospital. And then my daughter was in the hospital for about eight weeks. And that last semester, I got, I'm getting my master's degree. Um, I was preaching a lot of the Sundays, going to classes, writing papers, visiting my wife and daughter in the hospital. Um, and um, it was only, my, my master's degree is the only one I ever got a 4.0 in. And like, you look back, you're like, if I had told my 17-year-old self, like, that's how much you could get done, I probably, I don't know, I would have cried. But, like, you can do more than you think. You can, you can do more than you think. And, and, it, and it, just little by little, add one beanbag at a time. One ball at a time. Push it another hour. Do another activity. Push harder. But one of the things we've got going on in our culture is, I mean, we're, we're behind the eight ball. But productive men rule. Productive men rule. Right? It, you, you, you look at the world and you say, why, why is it that God-haters and flamers and liberals run everything? Well, part of it is because they've been hustling. Now, they've all kinds of corruption, whatever. You can make all kinds of excuses, but they've been hustling. And Christian men need to step up. Start a business. Get a second job. Start something else. Start, get, do, and, you know, a hobby. Read a book. Do more. Why? Because you are men and your glory is your strength. When men push themselves beyond what they think they can handle, they shine. They shine. They do more than looks possible. And they reflect the glory of their maker. They reflect the glory of their savior. And the only way to to really succeed in that though, again, back to, is because they know that the thing that matters the most is that they are serving Christ. Christ gave himself for them. They belong to him. He gave all for us. And so we belong to him. Our bodies belong to him. Our every breath belongs to him and we want it all to serve him because he's worthy, right? He's worthy. And because he is worthy of that, you lay it out. Leave it all in the field. Go all the way. Think about Paul. I love Paul's like he's like this simultaneous like deep humility and ambition. 
At the end of 1 Corinthians, he gives his testimony. He reminds the Corinthians of the gospel and then tells everybody of who saw Jesus when he was raised from the dead, you know, the 12. And then there was about 150 people that saw him. And last of all, I saw him as, you know, one, you know, born out of due time, you know, late, late comer, not even worthy to see him because I persecuted the church of God. And then he has the audacity. He says, I'm least of all the apostles, not worthy to be called apostle. And then he says, but I've done more than all of them. Right? He says, I've done more than all of them. And he wasn't kidding. Right? Paul just pushed. Right? And sometimes he'll, you know, when he's in the middle of all of the the, the back and forth between people accusing him of being a fake apostle, and he's, you know, all you do is ask for money. He's like, well, how about that money you promised me? In the middle of all that, he sometimes lists everything he's doing, right? I mean, shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned, right? And he says, and we've got him on the run, right? Paul, what did Paul have, right? Think about that. Under Roman occupation, no constitution, no bill of rights, no Christian heritage at all. What did he have? He had a risen king. And, you know, a bunch of fishermen. And, and, and he was utterly convinced that because Jesus was risen from the dead, the Roman Empire would fall to Christ. And it did. And here we are. Right? We have way more than Paul had. Right? We have way more than Paul had. So, your calling is to be Men, do not give your strength to women. Do do not give your strength to the ways that destroy kings. You are men who have been bought with a price. You belong to Jesus and you're his. And he is worthy and you were made to be strong. And you can do more in Christ than you think you can. Your, Your schedule should look a little bit like crazy. It should, it should have a little bit more on it than you think you can do. Push, lean, right? That's how you lift weights. That's how you get stronger. And that's how God blesses men and gives them rule. He makes them kings and he gives them responsibility. That's what I got. Amen.